You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers Friday edition, getting you ready for this matchup week nine against the Arizona Cardinals, our keys to victory for the Niners to take home this one against the Cards, and they are at home uh, hosting those 7-1 Cardinals. Uh, Odell Beckham, his time in Cleveland has come to an end. Is he a fit for the 49ers? Should they come calling if either claim him off waivers or wait till he becomes a free agent if nobody claims him off waivers and just sign him as a street free agent? So uh, I think Kroc has some thoughts on that one. And... Rookie quarterbacks. What's going on with the rookie quarterbacks here midseason? And uh, we'll try to answer the question, why is Trey Lance the one that's quote-unquote not ready? And are the other ones actually ready? So uh, it's going to be a fun show here today as we get ready for Week 9. This episode of Locked On 49ers is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. McDonald's. I'm loving it. All right, Croc. Let's get into this one. Odell Beckham Jr. 49ers fans have long been talking about Odell Beckham Jr., uh, talking about uh, trading him, trading for him when he was in New York with the Giants, and then again when he was with the Cleveland Browns. No trade necessary now. That's how far south it has gone for Odell Beckham in his career from uh, the guy who was just a superstar cover of Madden one-handed catches in the Big Apple to uh, being an afterthought in the Browns offense, and now maybe a complete free agent. He's currently on waivers with his contract. I don't know. Well, the 49ers don't have enough money to claim him off of waivers. I think uh, 14 and a half mils is salary. So we're about mid season seven or $8 million is what he would be owed the rest of the way. I think it's around $8 million. Niners now they aren't... changed it, but they, yeah, they, so they, uh, they converted it into like a bonus. So, and I guess they took on that. So he's going to get paid that. So he essentially, it's going to be easier for a team to sign him. I think he'd be on like a vet minimum, Type contract if you claim them. Claim them. Wow! So they they converted all of his salary this year that was guaranteed into future years and took took on that hit themselves to allow him to make it easier to be claimed by a team. Because I saw yeah, that there that was, was a rework was deal, report. but I did not see what the specifics of the reworking was. If that was, then it becomes much more likely he actually gets claimed, and much more likely probably that he would end up a forty nine er potentially, because if he does get claimed versus becoming a free agent. Um, the Niners would be ahead of almost all the contending teams. You know, uh, uh, thinking of teams that would claim Odell Beckham if they could figure it out salary-wise and they wanted to claim him and had the need. You know, all the worst teams in the NFL aren't going to do it. You know, the the uh, the Jets and the Lions, that doesn't make any sense. And Odell's agent's probably telling teams, don't claim Odell because he ain't showing up for you either. It, just like he's not <laughs> showing up right now for the Cleveland Browns. But the 49ers might be the first team in the waiver order where it starts to make sense. Uh, I can see like a team like the Bears wanting to maybe add some um, some weapons, but I don't know if Odell would want to go to the Bears. Would even want to go to the 49ers. Maybe the Seahawks could snag them. The Seahawks are ahead of the 49ers in the waiver order, but the Niners are ahead of, I mean, the Patriots and the Saints and uh, the Packers and the Ravens and the Bills and the Raiders and all these teams that would seem to be a good fit for Odell Beckham, the Niners are first on the waiver order. So if they wanted Odell yep. and 
that contract is done in a way that, you know, they would obviously cut him probably after the season because that means he's more expensive in the future. And maybe that's the way Odell wanted it was to be cheap this year for a team that would end up cutting him or being able to become a free agent and and then, you know, hit the market uh, as a free agent in the future. But that makes it more interesting from a waiver perspective. So the question has to start, Croc, if you are the 49ers, would you be interested then in that case? If you could claim him financially, do you want Odell Beckham on the San Francisco 49ers? I I want him on the San Francisco 49ers. He's been one of my favorite players in the league, and, and I get it. it. There's kind of been this kind of downslide with his production, and he's had some injuries, but his dad just put out some film, and it's like, well, clearly he's still getting open. He's beating guys. He's threatening all areas of the field with separation. The ability is still there. The opportunity is. And in the last game, I believe, against the Pittsburgh Steelers, he actually had one target, one catch, six yards. So for a guy like Odell Beckham, who's kind of like the Terrell Owens or the Des Bryant, where they are extremely competitive. All right, I'm, I'm spinning it a little bit. They are extremely competitive. Some might say diva. And Diva. And they are very, very confident in their abilities to affect the outcome of a game so they look at it like if you target me I give you a better opportunity to win when you don't things like that happens and they can become a little upset with the current circumstances so uh, you know dad put out the video Baker Mayfield they kind of targeted him you even had a guy Steve Smith come out and say Baker Mayfield you're not very good and that's why Odell Beckham is leaving so you're dealing with that now, saying all that, and again, obviously I'd be interested in him, and I feel like he can help the 49ers. I don't believe the 49ers are necessarily there because if you look at the dynamics of their room right now, you obviously have Debo Samuel who's getting a high volume of targets, actually a highest volume in the league for one target, one receiver. All right, he's doing an amazing job doing that. Off of that, you have a Brandon Ayuk who, with the reports coming out now over the last week or so, he is improving on what it was that they wanted him to get better at, which is ultimately being a pro, running out of practice. And here's a guy that, you know, hey, we drafted this guy first round to be that guy. And do they really feel like he's turning that corner? Aside from him, they have uh, Muhammad Sanu, who had, what, three, four catches for almost 60 yards last game. So I feel like they have the three guys that give them a solid receiver group. And, again, that's not even adding into the equation, George Kittle, and how he affects the game, and he should be coming back. I don't think they go after Odell Beckham and kind of, I don't want to say throw away, but kind of change the dynamics of Brandon Ayuk, who is improving into the guy that you want him to be. So from that standpoint, I don't think so. But if they are looking at it like, well, yeah, Ayuk is improving, but he's still not anywhere near where we want him to be. And you want something that can kind of just push you over the top for the rest of this year, like they did with Emmanuel Sanders. From that standpoint, yeah, uh, Odell Beckham definitely makes a lot of sense. I think looking at the waiver claims, the first team that makes probably the most sense is Atlanta, who's right behind 49ers. Uh, just they have the same record. Again, I talked about it. The the, the team that is what uh, in the seventh spot right now for the playoffs is the Carolina Panthers, and they too have four losses, just like the 49ers, just like Atlanta. Look at Atlanta in their receiver position. They have Ridley and really nobody else, and Ridley is like stepping away for like mental – health issues or whatever it is, his personal reasons. I think Atlanta more than anybody makes the most sense as far as kind of the highest team on that waiver rider still kind of 
you know, pushing to make the playoffs. But 49ers, obviously, I, I would love to have them. Just don't think they'll do it. I'm going to go over later, uh, talking about Bet Online AG, there are some orders for betting odds and who Vegas thinks will be the landing spot already for uh, Odell Beckham. And it's actually the Raiders is the number one team. But I think that's factoring in waivers, factoring in if he clears waivers, because he still could definitely clear waivers and become a free agent that way as well. And the Raiders are all the way down at 26. The Niners would be 12th in the order. And yeah, you're right. Right in front of the Niners are the Atlanta Falcons. Um, and that's that's the first, like Seahawks are nine. I think that's where it starts to make sense. Maybe the Eagles at eight, but gosh, yeah. And then Odell's going to have a say in this. I know his agent probably, well, here's the thing, because remember in the past, and Odell's done this multiple times, there's reports he was doing this this year as he was telling people on other teams, hey, come get me, right? And he did that to the 49ers. Do you remember that back right. in the day? There's the video with him and Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. after the game. So maybe he's a fan of Garoppolo. Maybe, but I, I, on the surface now this year, and what we know about the 49ers, maybe since that Super Bowl run in 2019, maybe it wouldn't be as, you know. It, it I will be, say this. There are a lot of people that feel like he's not a great fit for the 49ers because of the quarterback situation, but, or the offense. And they first they'll talk about Kyle Shanahan and, and not throwing the ball a whole lot, but. We've seen Kyle Shanahan on other teams throw the ball a ton. In Atlanta, he threw the ball more than he ran it. This run-heavy thing has been more of a 49ers thing. Obviously, they've always liked everything to work off of the run. But in the sense of a higher percentage of his plays being more runs, like that, that's kind of a 49ers thing as opposed to what he did in Atlanta. You know, and they spread the ball out there. They were throwing the ball to him, Sanu. They were getting it to Taylor uh, Gabriel midway through the year. He started to have explosive plays. Uh, we've seen him in in Houston and how, I mean, the season and that Andre Johnson had his best two years of his career and spreading the ball out there with uh, Walters and, and Daniels at tight end. I mean, like, he's been a guy who has gotten multiple guys, like, really good production. So it, it's not a team that – or it's not a guy in theory that doesn't want to spread the ball around and get multiple guys available. I, uh opportunities I think is more so of Kyle just plays to the strength of his team and right now he doesn't think maybe he has the guys that have just all these dynamic guys and hopefully he you know I turns into that guy but he's not there now but I, I could see a scenario where Odell comes and he does get a high percentage of passes even with Debo Samuel getting his love as well yeah, I don't think the 49ers are the most likely team. And so the questions are, okay, would Odell want the Niners? Would the Niners want Odell? I think it's plausible that they both would want each other. I don't think it's the most likely scenario. And I don't know if Brandon Ayuk would be a reason to not go after Odell, especially if we had this conversation a couple weeks ago. But it seems like maybe making some strides Ayuk is now. And would that be enough? I don't know. Um Offensive coordinator Mike McDaniel had a quote this week and said, Brandon, especially the last couple of weeks, he looks like the player we envisioned when we drafted him. He's starting to understand what it's like to be a pro. Uh, I'm winning the game on Thursday in practice, and that's the difference in winning the games on Sunday. So that was uh, McDaniel talking about Brandon Ayuk. Has he turned a corner? Would that be enough to keep the 49ers from wanting to make a move with Odell Beckham? And if the contract stuff and that reworked deal for Odell makes it possible the Niners can fit him in pretty cheap for the rest of the year, then figure it out later? Yeah, it becomes very interesting there with Odell Beckham. and Deshaun Jackson also, by the way, cleared waivers and is a free agent. So he's another name that, that could be interesting and, and for uh, numerous teams 
in the NFL. Let's move along a little bit and talk about rookie quarterbacks, maybe some more quotes from press conferences this week, and of course, our keys to victory in week nine. This episode brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities. Since 1965, McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come reconnect, a place where classmates meet up, study groups, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. And to be honest, when I think of McDonald's, it's the breakfast, right? The breakfast is my favorite part of McDonald's. Back in the day, it was all about fries and nuggets. But the McMuffin, McGriddle, always crowd pleasers. By the way, a tip from the Locked On DMs. Apparently, the way to go, you order a quarter pounder, but order it done like a Big Mac. I don't even know if that's legal, but... It was suggested, so give it a shot. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or away team can come recharge. The place you always look forward to stopping on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. Did somebody say podcast watch party? Yeah, you can check out this very podcast on that Wi-Fi at your local McDonald's. I'm loving it. Sorry I lied, Croc. One more note when it comes to Odell Beckham, because all this stuff is always fascinating, you know? The, uh, the the reality show that is the NFL, and wow, what's going on with Aaron Rodgers right now, too, is, um, is going crazy on social media with his conversation he's having with uh, McAfee and uh, that whole thing. Wow, um, that is a circus now happening for the Packers. But when it comes to Odell Beckham, and a circus is a good word there, there's been a circus around him a lot. When you look at two teams that have just said, despite his talent, and and maybe Baker Mayfield was missing him, but at the same time, like Baker Mayfield and head coach Kevin Stefanski, they're no dummies. They're not going to be like, oh, we have this great player who's always open. Let's not throw him the ball. Let's not win more games and score more points. You know what I mean? So two teams now, the New York Giants, now the Cleveland Browns are like, God, despite all the talent, Odell, we, we, we don't want you around. Like that... That tells me something, and your guy, Will Blackman, um, has kind of pushed back on the idea that maybe Odell is a problem personality-wise and that he's hard to deal with and stuff, but it's like, well, I mean, what's the disconnect then? If he's if he's open, he's still talented, he's still great, teams don't want him around and aren't throwing him the ball, what's the disconnect there? Like, could it, It's not like Baker Mayfield's like, oh, I don't like Odell, I'm just not going to throw it to him and we're going to lose games because of it. I, I can't believe that. So what, what's really going on? Two t- NFL teams now have not wanted him around. You know, I, I think it's sometimes just the situation. And, you know, at the tail end of his time with the New York Giants, like, it just, the team wasn't in a good place, right? Now, I do feel like the, the Browns are definitely in a better place than what the Giants were at that time. But you know, if he doesn't feel like he's being involved the way that he potentially, you know, has the potential to be, then obviously, you know, especially if he feels like he can help wins and that's not happening, he is going to push back a little bit. I will give an example of a guy who kind of looked like he was trending in the wrong direction. Now he's never been a problem, right? You look at Antonio Brown, his time in Pittsburgh, his time with short stint with the Raiders and obviously short stint with uh, the Patriots and even kind of he took to social media about his time with the Patriots and, and the owner and that whole situation. But he's been amazing with Tampa. No issues. Has been productive. He's been doing well in his role. Everybody thought he was washed. Everybody thought he was done. All of a sudden, he's back to being looking like prime <laughs> Antonio Brown. Maybe not to the extent of his, you know, just, 
elite years with the Steelers, but he's a factor. And I said, you know, sometimes it's just this situation and how a guy handles it. Now, do the 49ers have a team that can handle, you know, a personality like Odell Beckham? Do they have the players there to hold him accountable? Does his coach have as much equity built up? Think with, you know, uh, Antonio Brown and in Tampa, it's like, well, there's Tom Brady there. There's Bruce Arians, you know, there's even Byron, Byron Leftwich, who's the, you know, yeah, Mike Evans. I think there are a lot of guys that are just like, we, we can deal with this. We can handle him. Uh, maybe the Browns just couldn't. And you got to remember, too, when he got there, I don't think it was Stefanski. I think it was uh, Kitchens that was the yeah. head coach, I believe, and that was running the offense. And maybe getting there, he, he envisioned something different for the offense. Now, saying that, 49ers run more of what Stefanski runs. So it would be a little bit more of the same, especially with the quarterback. And I, I would say most people would take Baker Milford over Jimmy Garoppolo. So there's that dynamic of it, too. Yeah, I could see that ending poorly based on the usage. If his usage is more like what we've seen with Brandon Ayuk and maybe he's not getting the ball deep down the field and able to make big plays, uh, I, I could see him getting pretty upset real quick with the with Jimmy G and the 49ers offense, too. But my pushback would be 49ers started off the game with uh, Ayuk throwing a slot fade to him, right? Like, if he's at Odell Beckham, that's an opportunity. I also think that uh, the reason why Ayuk hasn't gotten as much of, you know involved in the offense was how he was, you know, working in practice or whatnot, maybe not picking up things, so they weren't just force feed him. But as of late, he has had the targets, and he's had definitely more targets than Odell, who had one target and one catch last game, right? And he's had the opportunities in the end zone. They threw the ball to Ayuk in the end zone, the slot fade. They are trying to get him involved, so, you know, that's Odell. Now, again, are you going to take away those targets from Ayuk and give them to Odell? That's where I'd say it doesn't make sense for the 49ers. We're talking about Jimmy G's offense. What about Trey Lance's offense when it comes to the 49ers? And uh, I know you've had some arguments with some Jets fans recently talking about how bad their rookie quarterback has looked, but he's had the opportunity, and actually he's gotten a little bit worse. He had a couple games where you thought, okay, this is, he's going he's gonna to do some things here in the NFL. He's looking good early in the season. Um, and I think all the rookie quarterbacks have had that, where they have one game here. It's like, okay, now now we're talking. But then a bunch of games, it's like, oh, that looks ragged. That does not look great. And, and that's what it's like for a rookie quarterback. That's why Kyle Shanahan probably doesn't want to play his own rookie quarterback, but Trey Lance looked okay. He looked fine in his one start. Um, so what are your thoughts there about what? when is a, a quarterback ready, and do, do they have to be ready? And why is one guy not ready and not playing when other guys, quote-unquote, are ready to play, or maybe they're just not ready to play and they're playing anyway? No, I think a lot of it is circumstances. That's kind of what I'm gathering. It's, it's a question I've been asking over the last few weeks because I do look at a lot of the other rookies and I see how they are playing. And you see some really weird moments with these guys. And I'm thinking, like, why why, are, why is this guy more ready than Trey Lance? When when I watched them, even watching Trey Lance, I, I didn't get the sense that it was a guy that looked clueless or that he just couldn't be effective in an, in an offense as opposed to a guy like Zach Wilson where – I watched him play a game, and it was third quarter. He had four completions, four interceptions, right? So, you know, what does it mean to be more ready than the next? And I think some of the things I've said, I've heard were that if you have a guy that's able to play over you, then you're not ready to play, right? So Trey Lance has Jimmy Garoppolo ahead of him, and, you know, you would assume Jimmy is better right now for the offense than Trey Lance, so you can let him sit. He's not ready to be better than Jimmy Garoppolo, right? He's not ready for those expectations. But then you watch the Jets, 
And you see Mike White and what he's doing. So now the question is, is Zach Wilson right now, today, better than Mike White, what we've seen from him? And if not, does that mean that Zach Wilson is not ready to play? Like everybody has kind of, you know, they put that on Trey Lance. And I'd say, you know, watching these last two games and really five quarters for Mike White and how he's performed, I would say he's far better than Zach Wilson. Now, that's not to say that he's going to have a better career or anything like that or that Mike White has more talent. But right now, where he's at, same with Trey Lance, where he's at, there's another guy on the roster that maybe gives you a better chance to win. I think when you look at it from that standpoint, I think that could be the case for a lot of other rookies in this class as well. It's yeah, it's hard. And how do you develop a quarterback? The, one of the things I thought about recently is it's always all or nothing. It's like okay, you either have to play the veteran all year, or you got to play the rookie all year. And as soon as he starts, he has to play every game. How come teams don't try to have a rookie come in, play some games, sit a little, watch a little bit more, come back in and play some more? Because I think it might be really good for uh, for Zach Wilson to have gotten hurt in the end, because now he can calm down see some things, watch his offense with another quarterback and learn some things in a different way, then come back in and jump in and play again. Because I think you do need to play a little bit, but I think there is some things you can learn by sitting and watching and sort of a mix of playing and not playing. That might be the best way to develop a quarterback, actually, but nobody ever wants to try to do that. Well, yeah, and I think what you would have to do is come out and say that's the plan all along, right? Hey, Mm -hmm. there's going to be some games where he starts. We're going to start him. We're going to sit him. I think that does mess with kind of the, you know, the continuity of the offense and, and guys having to learn two different quarterbacks and it kind of messes up that whole dynamic. But I mean, people look at it. I've thought about this a whole lot since the whole Trey Lance situation. They're like, well, what's best for him? Is it playing right away and getting that experience moving forward? Is it sitting behind a Jimmy Garoppolo, even though he's not getting as much reps in practice? And the conclusion I've come to is we've seen every scenario where it worked out a certain way for a guy, but another guy tried that same way and it failed. And, you know, whether it's been a guy sitting or playing right away, we've seen both ends of the spectrum where it has worked. You look at a guy like Carson Palmer, right? And some people would be like, well, if you're on a bad team and you're not going to make the playoffs, what's the point of not starting a rookie? Look at Carson Palmer and his situation. I believe it was Kitna. They were coming off of a two-win season, and Kitna, I don't even think Carson Palmer played a snap as a rookie. And that was a big 6'5 guy coming from pro-style offense at, at USC and winning national titles and all that and had to come in and sit behind John Kitna, right? So I think there are definitely multiple ways to go about it. Kyle Shanahan feels like the best way to bring Trey Lance a, a, around and develop him is to have Trey Lance sit. And now I'm trying to, I'm starting to understand it and get it. He feels like that's what's best for his guy. And if that's the case, then you got to do it. Even if, you know, I don't agree. And I, again, I can point out several different scenarios where other guys played it right away and they, and they benefited. They benefited from it. But Kyle definitely thinks Trey Lance will benefit from sitting, learning, and developing that way. Yeah, it's hard. Like, you go all the way back to Peyton Manning, and he was awful as a rookie. But obviously, it, it benefited him. And by year two, he was awesome. And uh, it, it's, it's hard because the game is so different now. And they used to do it so differently. And almost always guys would sit. And sit for a while. And, you know, Roger sat for three years and he ended up being okay. And and sometimes maybe it doesn't matter at all. Maybe it's just like if it's the right player and the right coach, they're going to be good or bad either way. And it doesn't, it's almost like you can't screw it up because it doesn't matter because if he's the right dude, he's going to be the dude no matter what. So maybe right. that's the answer. Well, Kyle Shanahan 
said something and I thought about it. He said, all experience isn't good experience. And he doesn't want to throw a guy out there and him get battered and beat, beat up and everything and start to develop bad habits. And you look back at Alex Smith and Alex Smith started right away, right? And we would say for his the first part of his career and him starting right away, it did not work out to his benefit, right? It just took, you know, coaching and a different level of maybe believing in him and, and a better team around him and just better structure. And all of a sudden in year eight or whatever it was, finally we see a better version of Alex Smith. But he was not better for getting beat up for those years and coordinators changing and all that. So there's that dynamic to it too. Whereas maybe other guys like, uh, uh, you know, uh, the quarterback from for the Chargers, Justin Herbert, he probably is better today for starting last year when he did. And even then, they did not want to start him. They wanted to start Tyrod Taylor. Yep. It's fascinating stuff. Uh, Trey Lance not playing this week. It'll be Jimmy G, and it might not be Kyler Murray on the other side. So let's talk about that and keys to victory for Week 9 next. You will find a new web interface for the start of the basketball season with more props, more odds, and more lines than ever before at betonline.ag. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football, both pro and college action this season. In fact, some very fresh lines when it comes to Odell Beckham. What team will he be on next? The Raiders, actually lead the way as the best odds to be Odell Beckham Jr.'s next team, followed by the Ravens, the Saints, the Bills are 5-1, to one, 49ers at 15-1 to one odds. What team do you think Odell will be on? You can find those lines at betonline.ag, along with many, many more different odds and props to keep you busy with whatever your favorite sport is to bet on throughout the year. And not only sports, but all of your favorite Vegas casino games are available at betonline.ag. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. It's holiday season. Halloween in the rear view, and here comes Thanksgiving. I personally love Thanksgiving, all the food, getting together with family and friends. Uh, Those food and treats, though, plenty of them. Maybe you want a yummy dessert, but one that isn't so full of calories and sugar. Well, now's the perfect time for Built Bars. You got to look after your health and your figure as well this time of year because things can go south pretty quickly. Built Bars here to help. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. Most Built Bars are only 130 calories and have only 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Replace the coconut cream pie with coconut built bar or go for a raspberry built bar instead of that raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie. New flavors coming all the time at built.com. Some surprises all month. So check the site often. There's nothing like a built bar. Black Friday. Mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. Go to built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Taking a look at the injury report, Croc, for both teams. Very interesting and definitely favoring the San Francisco 49ers. Kyler Murray still not practicing. Cliff Kingsbury did say uh, it's probably going to be a game-time decision, and he doesn't have to practice this week to still be able to play on Sunday. But you would think if it comes up to the wire that much that he's at least, if he's playing, 
he's going to be he's going to be on a bad ankle. So that's an advantage for the 49ers no matter if Kyler Murray plays or not. And if he doesn't play at all, then you get a healthy Colt McCoy, which is probably better than even an injured Kyler Murray. But we're not going to see a fully healthy 100% Kyler Murray out there. So that's score one for the 49ers. Guess who else is not practicing this week? DeAndre Hopkins. So um, whoever the quarterback is might not have DeAndre Hopkins who's dealing with a hamstring injury. A.J. Green has COVID. So now it's like Colt McCoy to Zach Ertz. Right, This is going to be like a deacon dunk offense all of a sudden. And Gadget plays with Rondale Moore, Christian Kirk potentially the starter out there on the outside. No J.J. Watt who dominated the 49ers. So that's looking good from the Cardinals side of who might not be available versus the last time these two teams played. And then you look at the 49ers side and, oh yeah, the practice window opened up for a guy named George Kittle who I knew as soon as he hit the practice field this dude was going to play. I don't know if he's going to play or not yet. It hasn't been decided, but he's practicing. And if George Kittle's practicing, that probably means he's going to play. So that's that's a huge flip right now for the 49ers going into week nine against the Cardinals at home. Yeah, definitely. You know, those are things that work in the 49ers' favor. And I think, you know, a lot of times people that cover the 49ers, or fans that watch and we pay attention to all the injuries that the 49ers go through. But, yeah, I mean, this, this is something around the league. Teams have – they go through it and they have to figure it out. And right now the 49ers are – actually kind of getting healthy at the right time. They're getting key contributors back. Can they take advantage of it? Can they take advantage of the Arizona Cardinals a little beat up and potentially, you know, win the game at home, which they haven't done much of over the last couple of years. Practice window from IR also opened up for kicker Robbie Gold and running back Jeff Wilson Jr. Uh, George Kittle's quote this week was, that basically he misses football and misses all his friends, and he's super excited to be back, as you would expect from George Kittle. Uh, another interesting quote about, and there's been speculation, ah, is it going to be Jeff Wilson's job now at running back, or how's that all going to work together? But, man, the coaching staff really talked up Elijah Mitchell this week. Um, Mike McDaniel talked about a story where Trent Williams said something to him about how uh, on the third run of the game, an inside zone to the right, it was blocked I don't know. This is a typo, I think. But basically, uh, it wasn't blocked great, Trent Williams said. And Mitchell had to get downhill. He ran into Trent Williams' back. And Trent Williams said that I haven't been hit that hard since Adrian Peterson. So um, that was the thunder that that the uh, young Elijah Mitchell brings as a running back. And then Mike McDaniel did call him, quote, a special young player. So I don't think Elijah Mitchell's given that job up. I think he's going to stay the one, but I think you absolutely will see Jeff Wilson Jr. Whenever he's ready and is back and is activated, he'll be more of a number two. You know, the tough thing with Jeff Wilson is when you actually kind of look at his numbers, even though I think last year he actually led the team in rushing, his yards per carry isn't that great. Maybe it's because he lacks like the big explosive plays. He runs well. He runs hard. Mm-hmm. He's probably not the strongest runner. But, uh, you know, lacks that big playability. As far as Elijah Mitchell, I do have a little intel from somebody kind of close to the 49ers. And he's dealing with some ribs, like some rib injury right now. That's really bad. It sounds like they're going to do whatever they have to do to get him through to where he plays. But he is dealing with a little something. Yeah, he did not practice Wednesday for the first practice of the week. Was limited Thursday. We don't have the practice reports yet for Friday. Uh, I think practice is about to get going here as we're recording this podcast Friday. Um, but it's trending in the right direction. Will they get him ready? But yeah, ribs is tough for running back because you're going to take some hits there. 
Man, you better put on that damn uh, rib protector. Yeah, the flak jacket. Whatever you got to do. We need you out there, Elijah Mitchell. (laughs) Can you imagine going into a game and it's like, well, okay, got Trey Sermon, even though we don't want to run him at all. You got Jermichael Hasty, and it's like he had one carry last game. And then we got to lean on Jeff Wilson, who hasn't played in over a year because he's been out for the last six months or however long he's been. A couple of guys. A couple other guys the Niners might get back. Aziz Alshair, D. Ford, both uh, in concussion protocol last week. They are both full participants all week so far, so it looks like they'll be good. Debo, by the way, dealing with a calf, too, which you know, starts to get a little dicey. I don't want to see more Debo injuries start to pop up, especially those lower leg injuries. He didn't practice Wednesday, also limited like Elijah Mitchell Thursday. Have I ever told you about like concussion protocol and kind of some of the things that they do for that and what you have to go through? No. So in the offseason... We had to, was it training camp? Was it OTAs? We had to take this kind of like test on the computer. And obviously, you know, you have no concussion symptoms. You're good. You take this test and it shows you all kind of shapes and stuff. And then after a while, you go back and it asks you like, which ones did you see? So when you are in concussion protocol, you have to take that test again and answer it as close to what you did when you were, you know, not concussed. Okay, so it's like I don't know if all teams do that, but the Jets did that for us. That's interesting. So it's like a baseline to start with when you're not concussed. So that way, they know what to compare it to. So you might just not have a good memory and you can't remember your shapes or whatever it is. So if it's a low <laughs> bar to pass, that might be easier if you have a concussion. But uh, so that's right. interesting. Yeah. You know what? One more quote here before we get to our keys. Um, from this one from D'Amico Ryans, and he pretty much nailed what we had talked about after the 49ers traded for Charles Amenehu. By the way, another player the Niners are getting. Almost forgot about the deadline. It was only a couple days ago. I feel like it's been so long now. Uh, Charles Amenehu will be in action most likely for the 49ers for the first time. Uh, D'Amico Ryans did share that Eric Armstead will now play more on the inside with Javon Kinlaw out for the season, and obviously Hurst dealing with injuries now too, again, uh, after coming back from his original injury. And so with Charles Aminihu coming in, he can play that big end role for the 49ers, allowing Eric Armstead to go inside more. So, Croc, we nailed that, and I love it. Well, I don't love it. It's about time. I feel like we could have done this all along. Yep. We could have done this all along, and we didn't have to use that pick, the 14th overall pick on Javon Kinlaw. And I feel like you can get a guy, you know, a big body to be that big four, three in and run down situations. And you could have had US TV lamb, you know? So mm-hmm. I am a little upset with it, but you know, whatever. It's all, what do what they call them? Spilled milk at this point. Yeah. It's all spilled milk at this point. What is done is done. Now you got to make the done. best of your situation. How do the 49ers make the best of their situation Sunday, taking on the Arizona Cardinals crock? What's your number one key to victory this week? One in turnover battle, man. Uh, 49ers in their four losses this year, they are minus four in the turnover category. So they got to they gotta win there. They have to win there. They win there, they at least give themselves a chance. But again, I say this over the last few weeks. Every time I have a key to victory, they do it, and they still lose. So <laughs> I guess another key to victory would be don't find don't a way lose. to lose. Don't beat yourself. <laughs> don't, don't lose. Beat yourself. Key to victory number one. I like that a lot. That's a good key to victory. <laughs> yeah, don't beat yourself. And I, that, that's kind of my first one here. I just said handle your business, and the Niners did that last week in Chicago. On paper right now, so the 49ers played the Cardinals pretty well on the road last time. And um, it was a one-score game, 17-10. to 10. Obviously, the Niners could have played better. They only scored 10 points. But it was, it was a close enough game the Niners could have won that. 
quarterback is either going to be hurt or not playing at all for the Cardinals. The guy who dominated the most on the other side of the ball, J.J. Watt, is not going to be there. You got Trent Williams to try to neutralize their best pass rusher in um, Chandler Jones, and we saw him do that with Robert Quinn last week with Khalil Mack out. So that's a huge bonus for the 49ers. Now, the Niners might be without both of their starting safeties, but the Cardinals might be without, first of all, their quarterback, who's much better getting the ball deep than Colt McCoy if he plays, and without their starting wide receivers in A.J. Green and DeAndre Hopkins. I have a feeling Hopkins is going to end up playing. I have a feeling Kyler Murray's going to end up playing too, but they might not be 100%. So the Niners need to take advantage of that. Handle your business. You're at home now. Go do what you need to do. Your quarterback is going to be stationary for the most part because it's either going to be Kyler with a bad ankle or it's going to be um, Colt McCoy back there. So Bosa, go eat. Eric Armstead from the interior, go eat. Charles Amenehu, let's find out what you can do. I've seen some bull rush on tape, so do your thing. Maybe D Ford's back too. So you should be able to be able to rush four, not have to play this really exaggerated Ono um, athletic quarterback defense where you have guys that are spying and all of those things. You can rush four, get home. Fred Warner, go cover. Zach Ertz, because that's going to be the number one weapon. If DeAndre Hopkins is out, that's going to be the number one weapon for Colt McCoy. Uh, I think it really lines up well for the 49ers to do some damage uh, against the Arizona Cardinals and go take a win. Because this is the important... Like, the Niners need to beat a good team. And right now, with the Cardinals, if they don't have J.J. Watt and don't have Kyler Murray, they're not even close to as good of a team as they were when they earned that 7-1 and record. The Niners need to be able to beat a team that is beatable at home. Go win a stinking home game and go beat a team you should be able to beat. By the way, the 49ers now favored by two points in this game. Went from even to favored since we talked last you, you have to start at some point this year, be who we thought you were. Yes. And we thought the 49ers would be a good football team. And this is one of those games. If you are a good football team, you have to win this game. We, 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 we've had the slip-ups. We've had the mess. We've seen that. All right. So now go out. You, you, you're, you're as healthy as you've been in a long time. You're getting guys back like George Kittle. Go be who we think you are and win this football game at home Sunday against the Arizona Cardinals. Are they wearing any special jerseys or no? Any throwbacks or anything? Uh, that is a great question. I do not know. At BD Peacock, at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter, let us know if the Niners have some special uniforms. I'm not on UniWatch, uh, and I usually never am. I get su- surprised sometimes when they come out in their uniforms because I just um, I fail to pay attention to those things very well. So we'll see if that happens for the Niners. You know what I don't want to see is a whole bunch of PIs. You know that, have you ever seen that viral video of the two old guys? I think they're out in front of an old folks home. They're two guys with like canes, and they kind of get in a fight with each other. But then they like they like fall over and it's really funny because they can't actually they're so mad but they can't do damage because <laughs> they're so old and like crippled and like they've got canes and they fall over. I don't want to see this like injured DeAndre Hopkins versus old Josh Norman matchup where they're just constantly tugging on each other and you know the flags are going to come Norman's way and not DeAndre Hopkins way. So right. the, we limited the PIs last week. Let's do that again. Forty ers defense. Yep. Just one one uh, flag on the defense last on the DBs last week. It was uh, holding on Josh Norman. Outside of that, they were good. They do that. Obviously, it should contribute to a win as well. I mean, we can even give him one. Josh Norman, you get one. Can we give him one? We give him one. Okay, and nobody else gets any? Nobody else can. All right. We Hold on real quick. We did talk about coverage. I know we're getting out of here. Yeah. But talked about Ertz and, you know, coverage. We don't, I don't know if we're going to have Jimmy Ward. I hear there's a chance he could play. He's not being ruled out yet. But Hufunga... Wilson, 
and coverage on Ertz, that's going to be something to watch. Yeah, middle of the field, uh, and that's going to be where Colt McCoy is going to operate, especially uh, looking like how things are going with the injury reports. So uh, that's that's certainly key for those 49ers. I think they can take this one home. It's going to be fun to watch. And, of course, Croc and I will have you covered for everything that happens in this game. The pod will probably be up late Sunday night or first thing for you Monday morning. Thanks for making us your first listen every day right here, Locked On 49ers.